This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon. It's March 10th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Happy to be back with you on the Noon Business Hour. Gas prices are hitting record highs as the war in Ukraine impacts global energy markets. We'll get the latest in our next segment. But right now, the latest gauge of inflation shows it rising at a four-decade high. We're joined by Diane Swank, Chief Economist, Grant Thornton based in Chicago. Diane, thanks for joining us today. When we spoke at 1020, we talked about how the uh, February uh, CPI report on inflation, 7.9%, did not yet factor in the disruption from the invasion of Ukraine and that uh, some analysts believe that the true rate of inflation now, with all of the disruption in, in fuel markets and food markets, is that inflation is more like 10%. Do you buy that assessment? Well, it could be very close. The increase that we've seen in prices at the pump alone between February and where we are right now would add more than seven-tenths, almost um, eight-tenths to the overall inflation number. That would take that 7.9% number just from gas prices alone up to close to uh, 9% right there. So you see additional increases in other energy prices, Food prices also spiking in the wake of the invasion because grain is, Ukraine is such a huge player in grain markets. And the spillover effects of higher energy prices, which were already affecting food and everything from transportation, energy costs, feed costs, and fertilizer costs. All of that was showing up already, and we've just multiplied that and amplified that. So the concern is that we will see much more inflation. We could come close to 10% in the month ahead. That's very disturbing. And what's so disturbing about it is that how broad-based inflation has become. It's not just in a few categories like the vehicle sector as it had been. It's broadening out in the services sector as well. And most notably, rents and home ownership costs are accelerating. And the pipeline on that suggests that they'll accelerate further this year as well. The uh, price of food is, is, is interesting because it seems like there are three contributing factors here. But one is starting to roll off the books, and that is the price of grain definitely higher because of the uh, disruption to uh, international grain markets because of the war in Ukraine. You have higher fuel costs. That means it costs more to get grain and other food products to the store. And then you also had the disruptions caused by uh, you know food plant workers getting sick. Um, is it all three of those things? Is one weighing on food prices more than the other? 
Well, it's certainly rotating out of the the fact that we lost so many workers getting sick. You're right. That is something that should slow abate as we get into this year. And hopefully we do actually move into an endemic as opposed to a pandemic, which I think is so critically important. So those kinds of aspects of the pandemic-induced inflation should abate. Unfortunately, they'll be overwhelmed for a period of time by these other factors. And it's so hard when you see food prices go up at the same time that rent and the cost of commuting are going up because those especially low-wage households, the first thing to be cut is food expenditures. They may make trade-offs. Even peanut butter has gone up in price. All proteins have gone up dramatically in price. And that's very hard because children pay the biggest price on the hunger there. And we're starting to see already demand for food banks pick back up, even though we've seen strong wage gains and low-wage jobs and really robust employment gains of late. Thanks for joining us. Diane Swank, chief economist with Grant Thornton based in Chicago. Coming up, updating the impact of the war in Ukraine on the oil market. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Worldwide energy markets are dealing with the turbulence due to the ripple effect of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Let's get an update from Patrick DeHaan, senior petroleum analyst at GasBuddy.com based in Chicago. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. And as I always say, if uh, you're a guest in the noon business hour, uh, you're paying more at the pump uh, because you're, the, you're you're basically the grim the grim reaper of gas, Patrick. <laughs> Boy, every time I come on, it's probably worse news. Maybe if I stop coming on, the price will finally start going down. I mean, you know, correlation doesn't always equal causation, but uh, anything can help at this point. Um, when it comes to setting the, guy, the, the price of gas right now, I mean, obviously it's the price of oil, which is kind of trending up to where it was in the summer of 2008, that all-time record high. But should you look at the price of oil on the market, or should you look at gasoline futures? Well, I mean, oil and gasoline futures can often move uh, in parallel, although, of course, the best one is to look at uh, NYMEX RBOB. But that still doesn't always give you the insight into if something's going on here in the Chicago region. Having said that, uh, yesterday's market saw a big plunge of 10%. The wholesale price of gasoline had plunged yesterday. I think, Rob, it was more eye-opening is on Tuesday, the price of diesel, the wholesale price or spot price of diesel soared 50 cents a gallon, then plunged a dollar a gallon yesterday. It's down another 14 cents today. So maybe a glimmer of hope that prices could start slowing down and maybe even reversing. This kind of gets lost in the lost in the mists of time, especially because the economy collapsed in September of 08. But how does this stack up to the run-up in gas prices 15 years ago? Well, Rob, we've never seen prices advance this quickly. We surpassed that record. It was a 49-cent weekly jump. At least that was the national average rise back in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we surpassed that. Chicagoland looking at a massive increase. Uh, well, let's see here. 55 cent increase in Chicago from a week ago. The average now 471. The pace of increases and how high we've gone, I mean, we're at record levels. So to see those two together is really just uh, eye-opening, uh, a testament to what we're, what we're dealing with with Russia. It's very interesting to talk about uh, the price of gas adjusted for inflation, especially since this time around, the price of gas is driving inflation. So how do you compare uh, 2022 to previous times of uh, high gas prices, like the summer of 2011 or 2014? 
Well, you know, it's the same. I mean, oil is kind of the foundation for inflation. I mean, energy is huge. Um, and right now, the dynamics, um, you know, Russia's playing into this, COVID imbalances, supply chain issues are all just reverberating across the economy and nowhere more than in energy. Look at the CPI numbers out this morning, energy up 38 um, percent. You know, hopefully we'll get some improvement. But I mean, until there is some sort of positive development in Russia, uh, we could be stuck with at least uh, some of the elevated prices. Now, we could see a little relief here and there. The wholesale price of fuel is down today, which is a good start. But a lot of stations are still, you know, two to three days behind passing along whatever happens in the market. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst, GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. Coming up next, Volkswagen unveils a new version of its classic VW bus. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Volkswagen is rebooting one of its iconic vehicles. Let's learn more from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit, Michigan. John, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the VW Microbus, which was associated with the counterculture uh, several generations ago, is getting an electric reboot. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was the hippie van of the 1960s, wasn't it? But now they're bringing it back. They're not calling it the micro van anymore. They're calling it the ID Buzz. ID because that's what Volkswagen's calling all of its electric vehicles. And this is going to be an electric version of that iconic minivan there, Rob. This sounds like uh, a, a, an absolute slam dunk of an idea. Has uh, Is Volkswagen taking orders for this vehicle yet? Well, I, I don't believe they are uh, because it's not going to go on sale in the United States for another two years. They're going to start building it in Germany this summer and start selling it in Europe. But uh, we're going to be a couple of years behind the eight ball in terms of being able to get them here. There's been a long discussion all year long just about the uh, the huge uh, pivot the entire auto industry is making toward uh, EVs and that uh, the Detroit 3 and that new entries into the electric space, uh, all getting investors, building plants, staffing up, getting ready for massive electric vehicle production. Will this run-up in gas prices uh, supercharge the adoption of electric vehicles? That remains to be seen, but i got to tell you, I'm getting a whole lot more questions now from people saying, hey, tell me about those electric cars again, because you're right. Gasoline prices are going through the roof right now. Electricity, it still costs the same that it did a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, if, if you buy a car like a Tesla Model 3 or a Model Y, you know, the, the gasoline equivalency in electricity, you're paying like $1.20 a gallon. I mean, that's that's, the, you know, the price of electricity compared to gasoline. So you bet a lot of people are very interested in those those kinds of savings. Uh, in 1979, uh, when there was another gas crunch, uh, Datsun had commercials where the jingle was put your money in the bank, not in the tank. And that was the, the after effect of that era was gas mileage became a thing that that auto buyers really uh, made their decisions on. And then in in 2007 and 2008, people bought hybrid vehicles is there. So that the, the trends suggest this could be the era of the electric car. Maybe. You know, look, uh, um, Americans react to gasoline prices when they go up a lot very quickly. If they go up over time, we just seem to be able to deal with it. 
And so you're right. Back in the day, Dotson had that tagline. And in from 1979 to roughly 1982 or so, you couldn't sell big cars or trucks or, or SUVs. And then the situation flipped. Gasoline prices went back down. You couldn't give small cars away, and everybody went back to the big ones. I'm not sure if that's going to happen this time, but that's the pattern that's happened time and again in the United States. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, tracking the explosion in the market for non-fungible tokens. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A full day of peace talks fails to produce agreement in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. A special report from CBS News is next. In Technology Thursday, the market for non-fungible tokens topped $17 billion last year. We'll talk about its meteoric rise. And the cost of an airline ticket is soaring due in part to the war in Ukraine. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 329 points. The NASDAQ is down 240. And the S&P 500 is down 49. AccuWeather says mostly cloudy. Some peaks of sunshine. A high today of 32. A little bit of snow on the way. 27 degrees right now at 1231. CBS News special report. High-level contact talks. The two sides since Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine made no apparent progress toward a ceasefire. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dimitro Kulebra. The ceasefire, 24 hour ceasefire. We did not make progress on this. Vice President Harris is in Poland, meeting with the president there on the war in Ukraine. She called for an investigation into Russia's military actions. We have witnessed pregnant women who were there for care for one reason being taken out because they required care because of an act of violence, unprovoked. 
unjustified. New sanctions, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. You look at the uh, the casual rejection of every norm of civilized behavior in, in bombing a, a maternity hospital. I think people in this country uh, can see that people connected uh, to the Putin regime uh, need to be sanctioned, and that's what we're doing. CBS News special report, I'm Matt Piper. Hey, it's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red this afternoon. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Are the market movements these days 100% Russia or are interest rate concerns still uh, lurking in the background? They're both, Rob. I mean, that's the reality and that's the biggest hurdle that the market faces is that uh, we're not going to get any relief, if you will, on monetary policy because the Fed is so far behind the curve. And obviously today's inflation news uh, only makes it more so. The Fed has to raise rates in the next uh, couple meetings. And so there is no relief to be found. And uh, I think that's the biggest issue that there's no reason to buy. And we can look at two very good reasons, Rob, to sell. Well, it sounds like the uh, the Federal Reserve is walking a tightrope, uh, to quote Leon Russell, uh, because it's because it, they're they're in a situation here where you do have actual inflation in the U.S. economy, driven by demand and driven by growth. But now you have this unexpected new point of stress, which is uh, uncertainty in the oil markets, which will lead to more gas price inflation. Um, so, I mean, they, they do run the risk here of potentially uh, triggering a stagflationary environment, or is it? Well, there is a risk, and because they didn't act last year. They're so far behind the curve, they have to do something. And again, what I pointed out is that the next 50 to 75 basis points in terms of increases in the federal funds rate isn't going to really hurt the economy that much. I think the bigger risk from the war, uh, obviously higher energy prices hurts lower income folks far more than it does everyone else. But I think the biggest risk, um, uh, Rob, is people are looking what's happening on TV and what's happening around the world, and then they go to the gas pump. And it's hard not to have this feeling like, wait a second, things are spinning out of control. And I think there's the reality that a lot of people are just understandably going to pull back on spending. So, yes, the risk of, ins- uh, of a recession is rising, both from higher energy prices, but also people's reaction to what we're witnessing. And on that psychological side of things, I mean, we, we've kind of been in this situation before as far as gas prices were concerned. Uh, we did see a run-up 2005 to 2008. There was a gradual rise in gas prices. Uh, prior to the fracking revolution, uh, $4 a gallon of gas was the norm yep. in the Chicago area as summertime rolled around, as the new blend of gas kicked in. But uh, this is, you, you, you have a populace that's coming off of two years of a pandemic, all all sorts of uh, psychological factors weighing down on people. And while this may not be uncharted territory, we, we may be approaching this crisis, if you want to call it a crisis, with a different mindset. Yeah, there is a different mindset. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, people react the way they kind of always do. Uh, and that's why I do think people are going to be pulling back just because of the high level uh, of uncertainty. And that's I don't see how that's going to change. I don't believe sanctions or anything else sadly, are going to get Putin to stop. Um, And so these peace talks, it just amazes me that there was a rally yesterday of that magnitude on hopes of peace talks, when in the same day, uh, a maternity hospital 
was bombed. And if we look at the history of how Putin has behaved over the last 10, 15 years, no one should be surprised at what he's doing. Uh, I think he will not leave Ukraine. So I don't see that reversing quickly. And as we discussed, the only thing that would get the Fed to reverse, Rob, is if liquidity became a problem in the financial markets, uh, financial conditions tightened very, very quickly. Well, one of the things that would cause that is the stock market dropping. I believe we're going below 4,200. When that happens, I think there's a risk of 3,850 will happen relatively quickly. So I just don't think there's a real reason for people to invest. And as concerns about the economy, you know, increase, uh, you know, the conviction to buy and hold and stay there is going to be less. Uh, so I think we're in for a period of, uh, of tough sledding over the next couple of weeks as we get into the Fed meeting. They're going to raise rates, and I think they're going to hint that they will be raising rates at the May meeting as well. Thanks for joining us, Jim Welsh, macro strategist, portfolio manager, smart portfolios based in San Diego. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and the figure is eye-popping. Trading in non-fungible tokens hit $17.6 billion last year. That's a 21,000% increase from 2020. Let's discuss the rise of NFTs with Adam Hollander, the founder of Hungry Wolves NFT, based in Austin, Texas. The website is HungryWolvesNFT.com. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's very easy to say something grew 20 21,000% when it started from seemingly zero just a year before. But 2021 was the year of the NFT. And what was the turning point moment as far as turning uh, something that is yours based on the blockchain? It says so. When was the turning point in turning this into, into a concept that the public knew about and was interested in buying? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for having me. So, look... We're entering a phase of you know, the Internet, of the world, where people are starting to care just as much about the way that they represent themselves digitally as the way that they do physically. And they're starting to care just as much about collecting things digitally as they do physically. And it's an inevitability, in my opinion. You know, you look at what an NFT really is. It is infallible proof of ownership of a digital asset. And um, the implications for having that as an underpinning technology, um, they really are kind of astounding for a variety of different markets. But what it comes down to is that people over the course of the last year have been in a position where they're getting more and more excited, not just about the financial speculation of these assets and the idea that they can buy something and have it be worth more the next day or somebody else can purchase it, but about the membership and community that come along with these NFTs and the implications as a building block for the metaverse, which you know we will inevitably have a digital landscape where you can play and interact and work and you know do a variety of other things in an interconnected digital world world that really the things that you own, whether it's the land that you're building on or it's the inventory that you have or anything else, can and will be represented by NFTs. The uh, present uh, economic uncertainty as far as uh, interest rates are concerned and uh, the stock market going down and a lot of volatility in uh, you know physical commodities, is that enough to flush some of the speculators out of the NFT market? Well, you know, look, 
when it comes to investing in NFTs, and I say this to my friends or to anybody that asks the question, it's a gamble. Um, it's a risky investment comparatively to a variety of other things. And so you need to be prepared to do your own research. You need to understand what it is that you're getting into. Why are you buying it? Why do other people around you value it? And personally, you know, I have a lot of money invested into NFTs and to crypto. Um, I invest a tremendous amount of my time into the projects that I run, whether that's Hungry Wolves or the White Sands Metaverse. But at the end of the day, it's a risk. And it's still a very, very new concept. Um, the large majority of the world really hasn't gotten into NFTs yet. You know, you talk about these 21,000% increases. The major marketplace for NFTs today is called OpenSea. They've got about 400,000 monthly active users, and a large bulk of that 21,000% took place on OpenSea. But 400,000 is not really all that many people. There might be billions that participate in an inevitable metaverse. Coinbase is launching its NFT marketplace in just a couple of months, and they have 68 million monthly active users that are already trading cryptocurrency like Ethereum on their platform and in their app. And so I do believe that we are at a point where it's just really the tip of the iceberg in terms of real adoption and understanding of these technologies. And uh, the large majority of people in the world still don't own NFTs. They don't even really understand what it is or why they should care, but they're going to. And so uh, for me, you know, I think it's at least a very interesting investment area for folks to uh, do their own research and to gain a better understanding of. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Adam Hollander, founder of Hungry Wolves NFT in Austin, Texas. The website, HungryWolvesNFT.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Passengers booking airline tickets are dealing with some jaw-dropping prices. Let's check in with Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher, JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. And Joe, it sounds like uh, drivers aren't the only ones uh, dealing with some pain at the pump. Uh, airlines as well. Well, I think you have to recognize that airlines are just like drivers. They have to buy fuel. Um, and even before Russia invaded Ukraine, for January, they were paying higher prices per gallon of jet fuel than at any time since 2014. So you add a month of craziness and airfare prices begin to reflect that rather oily reality. And a long time ago, uh, Southwest Airlines, their point of pride was they were very good at hedging on the jet fuel futures market. Uh, do airlines still engage in that practice? Uh, no, they largely they do not. And for the reason it's interesting you bring up Southwest, because Southwest got hammered when oil prices collapsed oh, six or seven times in the last decade. It's hard to keep track. So airlines have largely eliminated that process. Fuel hedging, by the way, is very much like an average uh, homeowner would maybe bet against fuel prices uh, going up for home heating oil. Some years you win, some years you lose. But for the airlines, the prices to hedge are so high, they've decided it's not worth it. Right now, they're, get, they're on the losing end. Does this mean uh, if you are uh, on the fence about uh, taking a trip very quickly that you should probably book that trip now? Um, you know, I I have real trouble trying to predict. I'm literally looking at the price of Brent crude oil, which most closely tracks jet fuel. It's a dollar nine. That's two bucks, one hundred nine dollars a barrel. That's two bucks lower than yesterday, and thirty bucks, twenty one bucks lower than two days ago. So we've 
we're looking at this spiking up and down, I could possibly make the case, I'm not saying I will, that we're actually maybe on the downslope and uh, both jet fuel pricing and maybe even gasoline prices might begin to moderate in the days ahead. But that's based on what I'm looking at at uh, 1250 uh, on uh, on Thursday. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Well, that's a good way to end it. Thank you, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher, JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.